Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back for another episode of Revolution Recap. Coming to you in the offseason now as the Revolution just made their announcements um, on the players whose contracts options were picked up, those who were declined, and they also released information on who's, wh- whose contracts were guaranteed for 2019 and who was out of contract. Um, the big news really came last week when the team announced that Christian Pania and Luis Caicedo were both, uh, their transfer and, and contract options were picked up, so the Revolution paid the, the transfer fee to keep those guys here uh, for at least another year and picked up those contracts. But uh, on Monday, we learned of which players are out of contract and may not be coming back. Um, let's start from the from the bottom of this list, which is the two guys that are out of contract, Juan Aguadello and Chris Tierney, um, both of them out of contract. So if the Revolution want to bring them back, left we'll to negotiate a new contract. Um, and there were several other players, seven in fact, who the Revolution could have brought back, uh, six rather, who the Revolution could have brought back, but uh, instead declined their options. Um, no real surprises here with Claude Dielna, Guillermo Hache, Femi Hollinger Jansen, uh, Christian Machado, Nicholas Samoya and Mark Segber is being on the declined options list. Um, and with that, we did get a few questions on Twitter on those guys, so maybe we'll jump right into those. Uh, Greg Johnstone is joining me today. Greg, what, what were you hearing from people on Twitter about uh, the Revolution's options being declined uh, today? Uh, well, I think in general, the I, I would say the general reaction was that Everyone was kind of expecting more turnover, I'd say. I don't think people were expecting 19 players to remain on this team. Um, really, only eight of the of the ro- eight players from the roster are no longer on the club, and we were kind of expecting Claude Yelna, uh, Hauche, uh, Machado. Uh, a lot of people, I think, were expecting Femi and Samoya to be gone. Uh, Juan Aguadello, we've talked about for uh, months to be gone. So, really, I don't think there was any cuts that were overall surprising. Uh, I think Chris Tierney is a bit of a surprise, um, uh, but that isn't necessarily because his contract was declined. It was because his contract ran out and he's now a free agent. Uh, and I know we'll talk about that, but uh, Joe mentioned on Twitter, we we asked for Twitter questions as we do before every podcast. Uh, Joe mentioned he was surprised how many people are returning. Only Roe and Cropper have uh, valued other teams. Uh, and he says it shows a bit of uh, a lack of ambition, uh, which I don't know if it it shows their lack of ambition. I think it might just be that they value a lot of players who saw the field, but they value them as backups and not as starters. I I think that's the best way I can kind of put it. Um, But I mean, I was certainly surprised with the number of people that were retained. I I thought we might be seeing a roster of 14, 15 people. Um, The fact that we got 19 players remaining today, uh, I think we'll see some trades in the next few weeks. I think they're kind of expecting to move some pieces around. And I think uh, some people that we saw routinely in the lineup in the 11 and the 18, uh, they might be moved down a peg and, and they're just expected to be uh, backups in depth going into 2019. I, that That's my interpretation of uh, today's news. Right. And for context, last year, there were there were 14 players at this stage that were on the list of guys that would be there for the next year. They did end up adding... Um, four more after the fact to get them to 18. Um, and of course, they got rid of Kamara, so they were really at 17. But there were only 14 players at this point last year. And of course, you know, things are different with different guys having options and, and situations like that. But um, that does add some context that five more guys um, at this stage now we know are coming back, or at least they're going to be under contract than were at this stage last year. Um, when I think we probably expected, if anything, more turnover this year. 
um, given how this this season played out and given that you know the coaching change from from last year. Um, so that is very interesting. I don't know, you know, you, you mentioned the comment about Cody Cropper and Kellen Rowe being the only guys that have value. Um, we can you know talk more about that later. I don't know if I actually, you know, I'm, I'm sure how much value Cropper has at this point, um, given that I don't think he played particularly well last season and was the, the third goalkeeper um, all year this year. And for, you know, all the, the, uh, the, the criticism we've had of Friedel this year, I would assume that if there was one position that he's, you know, should be a good talent judge at, it would be goalkeeper. Um, so I don't think Cropper's value is particularly high right now, and I can't imagine that there's too many teams willing to, to make a trade for him. I think if the Revs wanted to, to jettison him um, early last year, it might have made more sense uh, on, on that. And you know, maybe there's an opportunity to, to send him to, to Minnesota, who I think is pretty happy with Bobby Shuttleworth, but maybe somewhere else to, to be a backup. Um, of course, he does have ties in Minnesota, which is why I, I mentioned that. Um, but I, I don't know, uh, you know how much value there is there. Um, but on that, I think we got some comments on, on Terry that might be worth jumping into as well. Yeah, I'll circle back to Cropper when we get we we, we get later in the episode because I, I know we'll go into what we kind of think of the current roster and what we we will think will happen next. So I'll I'll kind of get to my thoughts later. But I, I think the biggest news is, as I said, Chris Tierney. I think is the big uh, surprise that is no longer he's no longer with the Revolution at least for the moment. Um, he is out of contract, similar to Juan Agadello, uh, but. Um, Unlike Juan Agadello, he uh, meets the qualifications for free agency, so he can actually sign with any MLS team. The Revolution don't own his rights anymore. Um, I, and uh, Barrett Madden actually uh, had a, a question. He said, hard to say what happens with Tierney, club legend, but 33 plus ACL uh, is never a good combo. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it's an interesting spot for him to be in where he's a free agent, uh, but he is a little bit on the older side. He spent his entire career with the revolution. Um, the revolution don't have his rights. So I guess he does have negotiating power, but I'm not sure how much he, he does have. Um, last year, his salary was at uh, 157,000 uh, with total compensation of $165,833. So I guess if you want to round up to 166, um, I, I predict that they're going to actually re-sign Chris Tierney. I think that left back was a huge, huge weak spot for them. And coming into this season, he was um, expected to be the backup. So um, I, I think there'll probably will be mutual interest from the revolution in Chris Tierney. If Chris Tierney decides to keep playing, I know he's a little bit up there in age, but um, I, I think he could come back uh, as a depth signing. I don't think they would offer it at the salary he was at last year. I think they'd try to negotiate him down. Um, but I, I would like to see Chris Tierney kind of end his career in the in a Revolution jersey. But, um, uh, Sean, what are your thoughts uh, about the Chris Tierney situation? Yeah, I think it's a, yes. kind of a fascinating one. I think with, with Tierney, too, and, and with Brad Friedel, you kind of notice that he doesn't really have much time for, for older players uh, based on how he's built this roster. I don't necessarily have a problem with that either. Um, but I think with the you know the press and the system he wants to play, it's difficult for another player to play. Um, and when you look at Chris Tierney, who had I think his ACL tear towards the end of May, and you know they announced in June that it's going to be out at least nine months. Um, I think that you know what does that put him in at, at February at best? So he, you know there's a good chance that he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Um, for for a guy that's entering free agency, and, and you mentioned you know he turns. 32, I think, before, well, he turns 32 in, in January, so it'll be 32 before the season's, I mean, 33 before the season starts. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be much interest in him from other teams for a guy that's, you know, turning 33, for a guy that's coming off ACL surgery and probably is going to miss the whole preseason, um, you know, certainly not going to be a full participant in preseason. Um, and, you know, he's never been the fastest guy uh, for all, of, you know, his good quality he brings to the team. And an ACL tear, I can't imagine, is going to help him you know, certainly, certainly be any faster than he already was. 
Um, he's you know kind of a, a, a guy that's been in this club for so long and meant so much to this team and been such a huge part of the Revolution and a you know, hometown guy from from Wellesley. Um, I, you know, I, I do think it makes sense for the Revolution to try to bring him back, um, but I don't think there's really going to be a bidding war in MLS for for Chris Tierney's services. Uh, again, that that ACL tear with his age and with you know going into free agency couldn't have really come at a worse time for him as far as his you know contract negotiation abilities will come and I don't know you know maybe he'll want to retire I think a lot of it can depend on him too and how he feels as he's recovering from ACL surgery Um, but I do think if he's back in MLS next year it will be with the revolution do we know uh Sean I I didn't look this up before do we know if if he'll be ready for next season I assume an ACL tear if I'm trying I'm going off of memory he, he got hurt I think last May so would there be some recovery time into the season would he be able to even play a full season I mean, I think the best case scenario for somebody his age is generally nine months. So, yeah. you know, nine months puts him right at the start of the season. Um, and then you certainly have to rebuild fitness as well. So I, I do think there's a good chance that he misses um, at least the, the start of next season due to the ACL chair. Yeah, it was, it was June 1st that they announced he was going to be out for, you know, nine months recovery time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, again, with a guy who's 33 and a, and a system that you see from Brad Friedel, um, you know, where, where he really wants guys to be in the top shape, and, and, you know, worth noting, too, that Kellen Rowe entered last season injured, and that took him a while to get it, himself back into the lineup. Um, you know, if you're Chris Tierney and you're 33 years old, you have to think to yourself, too, like, do you want to go through that? You know, Friedel seems to push these guys pretty hard, for, for better or worse. Um, so when you're coming back from an ACL tear and you want to you know, fit into this high-press system, um, that's a lot of work for a guy his age to, to come back from and, and to fit into. So I think that's you know, got to be a consideration for him as well when he's deciding what to do next year. Yeah, and, and I, I think he hit the nail on the head, too. I mean, Brad Friedel wants a young, speedy wingback to get up and, and help in the offense, and Chris Tierney really does not have a lot of speed. I mean, if he's going to push up, he's probably going to get beat down that left side. He's not he, he just doesn't have a lot of recovery and a lot of speed left in him. So um, he is a bit of an awkward fit for the Revolution system. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just the fan in me. Maybe it's just that he's a longtime Revolution player, so you, you want him back, but... Um, maybe Brad Friedel says this isn't really the type of player to fit this system, and maybe he isn't someone who uh, they want back. But but I think considering his his leadership abilities, I, I think considering what he's meant to this team, and and I, as I say, I, I'd imagine if Chris Tierney wants to keep playing, he wants to keep playing in New England. Um, and and considering the the hole at left back, um, I, I mean, I really wouldn't be shocked if they offered him a lower salary, offered him a pay cut, uh, and, and just to kind of fill a slot. Um, kind of, you know, play the U.S. Open Cup games at left back or, or maybe kind of be a substitute late in the game or, or something to that effect. Uh, that That's kind of the role I kind of expect him to play. And, and, and all things considered, you know, we hope the revolution go out and get another left back uh, to kind of fill that spot. Hopefully we don't go into the season with Brandon Bay at left back. No offense to Brandon Bay. Um so, you know, there will, you know, hopefully there won't be a need for Chris Tierney. Uh, but as I say, I, I, I would imagine he has a role if uh, he wants to come back. And, and I should actually clarify, I see now that um, he didn't have a surgery till the end of June. Um, they announced on June 28th that he was expected to be out approximately nine months. So I think, I think you know, it would be very surprising if he was ready for opening day. But I, I agree with you that, you know, you look at the Revolution's roster right now, he's, you know, he's still the best left back option on it. Um, but I think that's got to be a priority for the team going into next season. And, you know, going into this season, I think it was a priority for them to replace Chris Tierney uh, because you could tell that, that his speed was, was catching up to him. You could tell the year before um, that his speed was catching up to him and they started looking at other options. Somi obviously wasn't the right fit. And I'm sure we'll talk about Somi a lot more on this show. But 
Um, you know, they still need to find a replacement for Tierney going into next year, just like they did last year. They didn't do it last year. They got to do a better job this year. Um, you know, it would be great to for the Revolution to bring him back, but if they bring him back, I think it needs to be on a, you know not an everyday starting role at left back because I just don't think that's realistic for a guy at his age and, and what Friedel wants to do um, for him to be starting every day. And uh, you know, maybe he's another guy off the bench too that can help control a game late when they're trying to keep possession because they did miss that this year. They didn't really have someone that could do that, um, or at least Friedel didn't use somebody in that role. I mean, so maybe if that's the the, uh, the situation for him, that could be something he does as well. Yeah, and. and- you know, to your credit, we're talking about his role. I mean, th- this is the role he was expected to play entering the 2018 season before an ACL tear. So, you know, I, I think he's going to have some some pretty strong limitations going into next season. Um, we have another question, too, from any Revs UK. Uh, he has a couple of thoughts on the players uh, who made it, who didn't make it. Um, and he, he's talking about the other side, the right back position and uh, Mark Segbers. Uh, he's surprised. Uh, he says the option not to confuse. Uh, sorry, the option not to keep Segbers is confusing to me. Can only think we have a few other players in mind who are similar. Um, he also says that he hopes uh, we keep Chris uh, in some capacity. I agree there. Um, he also uh, adds that he thinks uh, Haribo and Teal Bunbury are going to be trade candidates um, coming into this offseason. So uh, Segbers, Haribo, Teal, I think those are all three players we wanted to talk about, Sean. Um, I, I think I'll start with Segbers. I, I, I'm really surprised he did not make the cut. I was actually – this is probably the biggest surprise of the um, six cuts that were made today considering he was a first-round pick last year. Um, he was loaned out to uh, Orange County – of the USL. I guess that wasn't really a good sign for him. Uh, maybe they weren't really impressed with what he did in USL. Although I, I from what I understand, he didn't look bad uh, in USL. He got one appearance with the revs. I guess he didn't make any good impressions. I thought his performance was kind of meh at, at Salt Lake. Um, so yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, more uh, minutes from him, but considering you spent a first round pick on him last season uh, and I, I guess it's just the depth that right back that they don't really want to use him anymore, but he's going to be at a low salary. He's on kind of that rookie contract. I'm, I'm kind of surprised he didn't make the cut. Yeah. This was the one that surprised me of all the cuts. Really the only one that surprised me. Um, and I guess there was a bit of a warning sign because we saw him come into that Salt Lake game and there was a lot of good publicity for him after the game. Players were talking about the energy he brought and, you know, he was kind of the, the one somewhat positive thing to come out of that awful four, four to one loss the revolution had and then, you know, 10 days later, they're playing their final game of the season against Montreal, and he doesn't even make the 18. Uh, maybe that was a bit of a warning sign from, from Frito at that point, whereas if you, you, know, you were still evaluating this guy, um, that, you know, you'd at least give him some minutes in that game, or at least put him on the 18. And that made really no sense to me. But I guess, you know, looking at it now, maybe that was a thought process that Friedel already knew that, you know, he wasn't going to be a guy that came back. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, he had some promise. I don't think he was, you know, ready to step in and, and be a starter by any stretch. But like you said, he was on a very low contract. Um, my only thought here is that maybe because he was a first-round pick, um, the option for the second year was a, a bit higher than than the minimum, and the Revolution are still interested in bringing him back, but you know only at the minimum salary. We did see last year that the Revolution didn't pick up the option on uh, Brian Wright, and then they ended up bringing him back a few weeks later at a lower salary. But you know we should also note that Brian Wright actually was making I think something like twenty five thousand. Um, we look at the guaranteed comp list more than the minimum salary. Um, that year. So, you know, there was obviously room for him to come down. I don't know if there is that room for Segbers. I'm just speculating that there's the potential that maybe his, you know, option is for more money. Um, But otherwise, like you said, he's a a cheap guy. 
Um, you know, he's he's capable of you know providing something. We saw it against Salt Lake. He didn't look completely out of sorts at, at MLS level, which can't be said for for everyone on the Revolution roster this year. Um, so yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and Segbers too. I, I just want to point out he was at a pretty low salary this season. I mean, there there wasn't there's not a lot of room to go down. His salary was fifty four five. His total compensation was fifty seven. 760 so maybe his those numbers will go up and the revolution want to keep him at that that low number uh basically you're a first year player uh right out of college uh so um yeah i i guess that's the thought i will say that if i remember correctly in the usl they played him more as a midfielder um and you know his natural position isn't right back they have andrew farrell and brandon by there at right back who they obviously trust more um it might be a thing where he is a right midfielder and they don't want him playing up on the wing maybe they, they don't want him taking over for juan agadello or they don't see him being successful in that role um so maybe he just is a victim of uh, the depth they currently have I, I that's the only thing i can say but you would think that you know a first round draft pick you've already uh, have a bit of a sunk cost in them if it's not too expensive to keep him why not just ride him out another year loan him out to usl um and see where it goes but uh, I, yeah, I guess and, time ran out well and, and i'd argue too that they don't have that much depth and, and those positions either so it just i don't know it, does, it doesn't make sense to me and you know you mentioned it not being a good sign that he went out on loan you know i agree with that but at the same time um, they kind of drafted two guys that were expected to play similar positions with with him and Brandon Bay, um, so I think it made sense that you know there wasn't enough room for both of those guys to get minutes on the first team. So they kept by knowing that there was room for one of them, and they sent Segbers away to, to get time. So I don't read that as too much of a negative. Um, but you know, you know, even if you're looking at him as a potential wing option, you know, I don't think there's a lot of depth there either. So I I, I don't really get it, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do see him come back. I'd be very curious to know you know what that option was. Um, if, if I, you know, that what option happened to be, you know, maybe a $15,000 increase, which I don't think would be ridiculous. Um, then maybe that's what they're thinking and, and bringing him back down to the minimum salary next year. But that'll be one that's, that's interesting to watch because, um, yeah, we only saw him in one game, but I do think there was a little bit of promise in that one game. And then we'll move on to Teal Bunbury and Zach Haribo. Teal Bunbury obviously coming off his 11 goal season, but he, he kind of ended up as a, I want to say a rotation player. He he kind of had a spell where he was dropped from the uh, the eleven, uh, kind of came back, but cooled off certainly towards the end of the season compared to uh, the first half of the year when he was seemingly scoring every single week. Um, Haribo too, uh, you know, long term prospect kind of project for the Revolution. Uh, last seen at right back. Um, Sean, what do you think? Do you think these uh, two are are ripe to be traded? Do you think they're potentially on the trade block or where do you see them coming? I know we talked about Haribo last week and, and maybe he, he was uh, on the chopping blocks, but uh, he made the cut. And we also talked about Bunbury being on the, the chopping block, but they, they both seem to make it. So do you think these are guys that are potentially traded? I mean, Haribo, I don't think there's going to be a market for, I don't think he's shown enough to attract much trade interest. I think we talked about it before he's, what is he, you know, 22 now going to be 23 next season. I don't think he, I don't think he's shown enough to, to justify there being a trade market for him. I think he was brought back because again, you know, you talk about cheap guys, he's a cheap guy that takes a homegrown spot, not a senior spot. Um, you know, he, he's even as, as, um, a guy that's been here four years, he was only making 84,000 last year. Uh, so I think that was probably what it was, just a cheap local guy. Um, the Revolution have yet to ever cut one of their homegrown players, uh, and I think they're proud of that. So that might have been a, a factor, too, where you know Mike Burns in the front office was hesitant to, to give up on a homegrown guy even after four years. Um, I don't expect him to get traded. Uh, in Teal Bunbury's case, you, know, you look at the roster right now, he's the best forward on it. Um, so, you know, unless they find a couple of guys better than him, I think he'll be on the team again next year. We talked about this before. 
Um, I don't think his salary is too high for him to be the second choice striker. You know, for him to be a guy that sometimes starts when they want to play more offensive, and other times comes off the bench. I, you know, he was two hundred sixty thousand last year. I, that might go up a little bit next year, um, but I think he'll, he'll also be on the roster next season, unless somehow you know Brad Friedel, Mike Burns go out there and find two forwards that are better than him. Um, because again, right now he's the best striker on the roster, no matter you know what you're looking at. Yeah, and and you know we talked about this last week. Would you rather have Teal Bunbury at his uh, salary figure, or Brian Wright uh, at his smaller figure? That's that's uh, below six figures. Um, you know, I I think it's kind of telling that they kept both. I don't know if that's a good sign for the Revolution. I don't know if you know, I, I I guess I kind of expected one of them to be cut. That's why that was one of the big surprises to me that they kept them both, and that makes me wonder if they are going to improve at striker next year. I would assume they would. But I, I'm not so sure anymore because I don't know if you want I, – I, I guess you would carry three strikers going into the season. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little confused. I, I kind of assumed one of them was getting cut and one of them was going to be the backup going into next season. And they were going to kind of ride with two guys up top and then maybe draft a third person or something to that effect. Um, but instead, they both they, they obviously kind of see some talent in both. So – um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I was definitely surprised they both made it, though. I, I got to add that. Well, you mentioned that comment earlier, Fred, who was from them, who mentioned ambition. Um, and when you want to look to something that maybe doesn't signal the most ambition, it is the fact that they kept you know both of those strikers on the roster. Um, and you know, Brian Wright had you know two games where he showed some promise, but uh, you know he was another guy that down the stretch didn't get a lot of minutes. And it's interesting; he averaged twenty five minutes a game. Um, but was still fourth on the team in unsuccessful touches a game, which is not a, a great stat for, for a striker um, or for anyone for that matter. Uh, so I, I don't think he had that good of a season. Um, again, he's another cheap guy, so it's not a you know, big deal to keep him back if you end up having to, to waive him and even eat some of his salary at some point because you, you know, find other guys it's not that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, I was a bit surprised that they both came back. I think with, with Bunbury, there is some value there, and, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they do look to trade him. Um, I don't think it's you know impossible to find a trade partner for him, um, so maybe that is a consideration. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking with both of them coming back because I, I totally think that this is a team that um, you know if those are your two strikers next year isn't going anywhere. So they they really need to go out there and find another forward. Um, you know, on on the other side, of course, Femi Hollander Jansen is not coming back, which doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. So it is only two strikers instead of three, uh, but not not two guys that I'd have a lot of confidence in to, to lead the front line next year if those are your best two strikers. And uh, I'll kind of transition back to where we started. Uh, another thing, too, I did not expect them to keep three goalkeepers. I did not expect them to keep... Uh, 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 Turner and Knighton and uh, Cody Cropper. I think both of us kind of expected Cody Cropper to go. I know you started talking about it, and I'm, I'm kind of finishing our initial thought there. Um, I, I don't know if he's a trade candidate. I know that was that was kind of why the the context of what we were talking about him. I looked him up though. I mean, he's only making seventy four thousand dollars in salary and total compensation. That's not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, th- I think typically your third string keeper is going to be a, um, you know, a draft pick or someone who likely isn't going to see the field and their, their salary number is going to be, you know, around 50 to 60,000. If Cody Cropper's salary is kind of similar to where it is now floating on $75,000, you know, I, I don't think, you know, it, it's a bit of a premium. It's about 10,000 to 20,000 compared to a draft pick, but you know, this is a guy that started in MLS. He is in the um, United States system. I, I think maybe the revolution kind of look at this as good value um, for a th- third string keeper. If Brad Knighton gets hurt, if Matt Turner doesn't turn out to be, 
you know, uh, what he was in the first half of the season. Um, you know, I, I think maybe the revolution see him as a good third option overall. I don't know if he would have a lot of trade value just because his one season in MLS, he didn't necessarily perform very well. Um, he was kind of towards the bottom of the, uh, league totals in, um, goals to expected goals ratio. Um, and yeah, he, he made one appearance in the 18 this year. He didn't see the field at all in MLS. So I, I can't imagine he has any trade value. And if he does have trade value, it's probably a low draft pick. It's probably worth nothing. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Cody Cropper extending him another year, I, I think he's here for good. And I think these are the three goalkeepers we see going in next season. And I think you touched on it, uh, uh, Sean, that, um, you know, I think Brad Friel has an eye for goalkeeping and he, he, I think he sees something in Cody Cropper. Yeah, the only thing I'll say here is I, I wonder if this is a bit of a, um, you know, we're afraid that one of our keepers might get taken in the expansion draft. Um, and with that in mind, you know, if Brad Knighton gets taken by, by Cincinnati, um, that, you know, here, here's our, our safety net. And if he doesn't get taken, maybe we trade him. Um, I don't know if that was a consideration that, that goes into it, but um, another, I don't know who, you know, who's going to be particularly appealing um, from the revolution in the expansion draft or, you know, from, from any teams. I, I actually don't think the expansion draft rules have been released yet, so I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen anything about how many players um, they're going to get to select. But given it's a team that's coming up from the USL, it's probably not going to be a particularly uh, heavy draft. Um, so I, that, that's the only thought I had there was that, you know, maybe Brad Knighton, um, you know, being a keeper that has a lot of experience in the league and has shown he can, can be a starter when, when needed, could perhaps be attractive to a team like FC Cincinnati, and that could be something that uh, led him to keeping Cropper as you know, a safety net if, if he goes away. Um, but like you said, I don't see much value there unless it's you know to trade him to uh, you know a team like Minnesota for uh, maybe a third or a fourth round draft pick, and then use that to draft a new third string goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and and I will say too, I think of the options exercise today, I think by far Cropper was the biggest surprise. Would you agree with that, Sean? Yeah, I, th- I think I would because I think we knew that Knighton was going to be coming back. You know, assuming assuming he he had an option as he did, um, and I think we knew that Turner was going to be coming back as a you know, cheap cheap goalkeeper that really proved to be the starter um, for most of the year, and I think will probably be the starter going into next year. So I was surprised that they brought in a third keeper um, in Cropper. And you know, my other thought is that you know, Friedel. Um, being the, you know, the experienced goalkeeper that he is, I'm a little bit surprised that he didn't want to go out there and draft a, a young keeper and kind of use his experience to try to mold the keeper and, and his image and, and build up a third-string goalkeeper to potentially be the starter in the future. Um, that seems like something that might have appealed to, to Friedel. So that was another thought that I had, that they'd let somebody go so Friedel could kind of mold the new goalkeeper and his image more. Yeah. So um, I guess we should talk about the other players who had options d- uh, declined. And I think we can kind of breeze through this pretty quickly because I don't think there were a lot of surprises there. Claude Gallo, we knew, uh, was leaving at the end of the season. He said so after the final game. Um, I think Samoya and Femi, we know, were... Femi, I, I think it kind of sucks considering where he was a few seasons ago. And he's been with the team a long time, but I don't think there... I think everyone kind of knew there was no place for him. Samoya, too, I think is just a victim of being buried on the depth chart with uh, not a whole lot of... Um, promise i should say uh but the other two i think that people were kind of uh, i'll say giggling about was uh Hauche and machado who we both predicted were not coming back next season um because of the salary figures they were at Hauche takes an international roster spot um they both had their options declined to Sean. um I think some people were kind of laughing that these were the two acquisitions that were coming in the middle of the season uh, and now they're gone at the end of the year. So uh, they they kind of take that as uh, 
a bad look for the front office, a bad look for their scouting department that these two guys that were the new players that were coming in to help them uh, down the playoff stretch uh, were, were done at the end of the season, which I kind of agree. I, I think we kind of didn't like either of those signings. I think we both kind of saw through them um, pretty quickly. Um, John, overall, did any of these uh, options decline, surprise you? And do you have any, any thoughts on the rest of the group? Well, you know, when you talk about Hache and Machado, I think it says something that these were guys that were available to come and were desperate enough to, to sign contracts that were only guaranteed through December. Um, you, you know, if you're a good player, you're not signing that contract. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that, I don't, I don't think, I'm, I'm not surprised that those were guys that had option years next year. Um, I had heard rumblings that, you know, Machado, when they signed him, that he, you know, only had one year guaranteed. With Hache, I wasn't sure. Um, so it's interesting to see that both of them you know, were in that situation, but it shows they were desperate and that's why they came here and that's, you know, and they were available because they weren't very good. Um, we saw it this year. Neither of them um, showed they were capable of playing in MLS. So, you know, for all the crap you can get the front office, at least they were smart enough not to give them guaranteed deals next year, um, which wasn't the case for some other players that we'll, we'll get to later. Um, but I don't think there were any real surprises, again, other than Segwares who we talked about. But, um, you know, Samoya you know, turns 24 next year, was never going to see the field. Um, late round draft picks at this point are complete crapshoots, and you're lucky if, you know, one in 10 of them can, can hit. Um, so I'm not surprised at all that he only made it a year. Uh, you know, Femi Hollinger Jansen showed, you know, some promise his first year with the season and then really petered out. We haven't seen anything from him. Tielna, it's, it's very interesting that we keep seeing pictures and videos of him in Los Angeles. Um, and I would be shocked if a team out in LA was interested in him, but I wonder if there's any chance um, that he's interested in a move to the Galaxy or something and that if there's any chance that you know, <laughs> the LA Galaxy uh, comes calling for him. Um, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I just find it fascinating that we keep seeing pictures of him out in Los Angeles, and I, I just have to wonder if there's any chance that another team in MLS would have interest in him after this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I would too. I think he's headed back to Europe. I, I, I just imagine that's where he's he's going. Uh, I imagine the LA uh, stories on social media is just him living it up in his final days. So I, I, I that's how I kind of interpret it. I don't know where you'd fit in LA or LAFC. I... I I don't know. I'm not really sure. He was a very frustrating player because you can kind of see why they signed him, but he made so many boneheaded decisions. He he turned out to be a liability. So, um, yeah, I I can't imagine him staying in MLS. I I, I imagine he's going back overseas. That's my guess. So uh, just my thought. But should be noted, though, of these players, even though they they only cut six players and got two more players out of contract, um, I think a big story, too, that not a lot of people are noticing is that uh, going into next season, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, they have three international spots. They cleared up two with Dielna uh, and Auche. Uh, Machado, uh, I believe, was a U.S. citizen, so he, he, he had did a not green take card. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, too, because I, I actually was kind of convincing myself that maybe Machado was coming back. Uh, I was kind of convincing myself that maybe they wanted, I, I don't know, maybe because he was a U.S. international maybe he you know they were going to loan him out to usl and kind of bounce back and forth and, and kind of just have him there as a depth piece but i, I think i kind of talked myself into that one I, I i think we kind of saw enough of him but um getting back to the international spots yeah how and yelena they cleared two uh, international spots and to, in total salary of this year uh these eight players the six that had their options declined and agadalo and tyranny um they have $1.941 million in salary coming off the book. Books 2.143 in total compensation uh, just from those six uh, – or sorry, it's just from those eight players alone. And then if you add Gabriel Somi to the mix, uh, it's $2.332 million in salary and 2568 
million in total compensation. So the Revolution definitely have some money to play with. Just e- even though numbers wise, it's only eight players leaving the team. Uh, I think they're getting a big chunk of salary back for them to play with in the offseason. Yeah, and and that's not mentioning you know Christian Namath who was was sent away. Um, Lee Wen who was sent away earlier in the season. Uh, and certainly all the allocation money they got from from those moves that they have to play with as well. Um, of course, on the flip side, Michael Mancian, $1.37 million. Um, they only were play, paying a pro-rata, pro-rata version of that, the pro-rated version of that, given that he joined uh, late in the season. So next year they'll be playing the, the, the full of that, assuming that that ends up being a salary next year. Um, he'll you know, likely be a DP next season, unless they use a ridiculous amount of, of allocation money to buy him down. Um, so that kind of counteracts some of that. But there's no question this team has a lot of money uh, to play with next season. And you mentioned the two international roster spots. They have three opened up because they're getting one back from Columbus uh, because they traded away an international spot for, for the rights to Christian Namath. Um, so, you know, a lot of flexibility for this team to, to make moves next season, even with so many guys coming back. And you mentioned Gabriel Somi, um, another international who... Uh, we learned, we knew, you know, last week already was on a guaranteed contract. So um, he is back. Let's talk about him for a minute. Uh, you know, this wasn't a surprise. We talked about it before. But do you think he's on the roster come opening day? Because I'm still convinced they find some way to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I think they got to get rid of him. I, I, I don't know where he would fit on this team. And I think the fact that he was uh, kind of benched and, and shoved on the, the sideline for the whole season while they had a, a desperate need at left back, um, I, I think that just shows they don't want him to be on the team anymore. And I think they kind of shoved him there so he would want to leave the team. I, I think we kind of talked about this last week. Um, this has buyout written all over it. Um, if his salary is 391000 going into next season with 425 in total compensation, that's a ridiculous number. And even if they have to pay half of that to get him off the team, I, I think they're going to do it. I don't think they have any value um, for him. And, and you know, we kind of talked about it uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, I wanted to see him kind of play winger. Uh, he does have a little bit of speed. I, I do think there are parts of his game. I, I think he could be a good player, but he was just brutal on defense. Uh, I, I think he was just a massive liability on defense. And, you know, uh, I think the Revolution, they, they've, they've played, you know, two dozen back lines in the past season. None of them have worked. I don't think any back line, any combination, no matter who your center back pairing is, was going to work with Somi. Um, he, he just didn't see him up for this level. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's getting bought out. And I think they're going to uh, uh, release him as a, a free agent. And he's probably going to head back to Europe also. Um, I don't know what your, your thoughts are, but I, I can't imagine him staying with the Revolution or an MLS. I don't, I don't think he has any trade value whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't make any sense for him to come back. Because the thing that surprised me when we learned that he had a guaranteed contract is that he didn't have a bit of a long leash um, from Brad Friedel, knowing that you know they had to do something with him in the offseason one way or the other because his, his, his contract was guaranteed. Um, I, I don't see a way that it works out where he comes back to this team. He doesn't fit the system. He doesn't fit the team. I don't think he fits the league. Um, you know, I, I could totally see it, like we talked about last week, a mutual termination situation where maybe they pay him something to, to end his contract. Um, but you know what? And on the flip side of, of Hauche and, and Machado, you know, this shows a bit of desperation from from Brad Friedel and Mike Burns that you know Gabriel Somi here's a guy that was out of favor over in Sweden. Um, you know, he wasn't getting playing time, and that's why it was available to leave. Um, so the revolution made him, you know, the second highest paid left back in MLS at the time after Ashley Cole um, and gave him, you know, multiple guaranteed years, which is not a very common thing in MLS. It's becoming more common to get multiple guaranteed years. Um, but the fact that they spent this much money on, you know, such an unknown player um, is kind of shocking and showed desperation by the revolution that they would, would do that. And, you know, at the end of the season, isn't really a good look given how that played out. 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't think he'll be here next year, but it was, you know, maybe it was a learning experience for, for Friedel and Burns to not go out there and, and sign a guy that's out of favor with this club, um, to become the second highest paid guy in his position in MLS and guarantee him multiple years. Um, that's going to be a headache for them to figure out in the off season. Yeah. And, and one other person too, that has a guaranteed contract that we didn't know about. We knew about Mantien and Ann King staying is, is not really a surprise, but, uh, Wilfred Sahibo, uh, had at least two years on his contract when he signed. Um, he's also got a big chunk of salary, 474,000 in salary, 544 in compensation. Um, I think we have an argument brewing. I think I'm going to disagree. I think I know your answer to this question. I think I'm going to disagree with it, but do you think Sahibo is going to be on this team next season? I do. I don't think he should be, but I, I do think he's going to be on the team. I think, um, you know, he was getting minutes towards the end of the year. He was in and out of the lineup. Um, but, you know, he's, he's another guy that, again, I think the revolution showed some desperation that they paid more than he was worth for him. And they gave him, you know, more years than you'd normally give a guy like that. Um, so I think they're kind of stuck with him. I, I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of both, both Somi um, and Zahibo. I think that would almost be too much egg on the face of, of Mike Burns and, and Brad Friedel to, to do that and admit defeat on both of those guys. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think Somi fits what, what Brad Friedel is trying to do, he, despite being an MLS All-Star and despite, you know, he has some good qualities. He's you know good offensive player on set pieces. Um, he's not a bad passer from, from back there. But we talked about it all year. He's not good enough at, at, at tracking back, and um, that's of vital importance if you want to play the way Brad Friedel wants to play. So I, I don't know what they do with him. Um, unless he's more of a rotation guy next year, which is what I expect to be the case. We're talking about Zahibo. I think you said Somi. I think you meant Zahibo. Oh, Zahibo. Yeah, I mean yeah. Zahibo. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm frustrated because I thought you were going to say he's definitely off the team, and I, I was ready to uh, argue with you, but you said kind of what I was going to say. I, I think they're going to, for the reason, too, I, I think they want to save face on this one, and I think they have a use for Zahibo, so I think they're just going to swallow the money and, and hope it works out. Zahibo did see the field. I think he was battling a hamstring injury, if I remember correctly, towards the end of the season. So, uh, and, and he's a big body. I mean, I, I think they do see some potential in him. So I, I think they're going to write it out. Assuming he, this is a two-year contract, maybe there's options after the two years. But assuming there's a guaranteed two years on this one, um, I'd imagine that uh, they're going to write it out and they're going to see um, what they can get out of them. And, and, you know, their defensive midfield, it's going to be Caicedo and Caldwell. I, I think if you get rid of Zahibo, you're going to need a third defensive midfielder anyway. So I, I think it's probably just easier for them to keep Zahibo, see what they have. Um, cause he's, he's not horrible. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, he's an MLS all-star. He certainly has some good qualities. Um, I, I think they're going to keep him around and, uh, you know, try to get another year out of him and hopefully he improves and, and turns into the player that they, they want him to be. But, uh, just to remind our listeners, uh, Gabriel Somi, as I mentioned, 391,000 in salary, 425 in total compensation, Zahibo, 474 in salary, 544 in compensation. So uh, we, the revolution paid them 865,000 in salary, 969,000 in total compensation. Um, I don't think they got their money's worth uh, money worth out of those two uh, signings. But but again, if, if the revolution have to buy out Zahibo and they have to pay him half his contract, I mean, they save about 250,000. I think that's got to be tempting for them. I mean, it, it could be. Um, I'm, I'm curious what happens there. And the other thing I just want to talk about is, you know, you mentioned Somi. You look at this roster, and all season long we talked about how bad um, the defense was. And the only guy from that horrible defense that's not coming back is Claude Dielma. So if, if you know, if I'm a Revolution fan, um, I don't know what to make of the fact that this defense was so bad and we railed on it all year, and all those guys, with the exception of Dielma, are back. 
Well, I will say that I, 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 you can disagree with this, Sean. I thought the defense was a lot better after Mancien came in because I, I, for a long time we were stuck with the pairing of um, either Dielma and uh, it was Diana and Adibaba at, at the beginning of the season. Diela uh, Mayo was, was on the bench. And I, I think they were kind of mixing around trying to find the, the key pairing. I think when Mancien came in, he was a really, really big help to the defense. And I think he, we saw some improvement towards the end of the season. So I'm not totally horrified by that i i don't think it's a i, I don't know I, I i'm not as horrified I, I i think left back though is a major major need of concern and and i really don't want brandon by to be the guy coming into next season at left back or gabriel somi for that matter yeah and i i think that what makes it look bad to me is again the fact that somi's still on the roster and i think that changes a bit um should they get rid of him which i think they will but that to me that's that's the worst look is that you know you had this horrible defense and you, everyone for the most part except Dielma is back. Um I agree. I think they look better with with De La May and, and Mancien, but I still think there's a lot of improvement this defense needs to, to, to do. Um most noticeably being left back, but also I think they do, do need more help with another option at center back, um at least as a depth piece there. because uh, I don't I don't know if you know we, we think that De La May and Mancien could work, but I don't think we we know for sure yet. So some competition and, and pressure pressure for them in that spot I don't think would be a bad thing either. Um, but that, that'll be something to watch as the season, as the off season unfolds, what they do with the defense, who they add, um, and, and who they get rid of. Uh, but looking at the guys that are back, were there anyone else you were at all surprised about, um, on this team or is it mostly what you expected? I think for the most part, it was, I, I kind of expect to see some casualties. I kind of expect to see any Baba and De La Mea, one of them to go because I, I do expect them to add another central defender, um, so I, I kind of expected one of them to leave. I wonder, we talk about trade candidates, and, and one of our Twitter questions was about Haribo and, um, uh, who was the other trade candidate? Was it, it wasn't great. Teal, Teal, Teal and Haribo, yeah. So um, I, I think Anibaba, there's a couple of guys here that I kind of circled as, as guys that I think could be traded. Um, I think Jaleel Anibaba is someone who might have some trade value. Uh, I, you know, he's a journeyman, back, journeyman center back, but he's at a low salary. I think he might get you back a draft pick or some allocation money. Um, we talked about Kellen Rowe previously. I think he's his, he's probably the number one person who, um, you know, you can probably get some assets in a trade. And he, he probably wants to leave at this point since he's, you know, being used as a left back and he, he isn't being used at, at central midfield um, where he wants to be. Um, so I, I think those are two names that kind of jumped out to me as potentially on their way out. I know we talked about Diego Fagundes uh, last week and his situation maybe he holds out maybe he is sent elsewhere um so uh, it, it might be that the reason they kept so many players is they want to see what they can hit on the trade market and uh, what they can kind of ship out and get something back for um but yeah I, I, did any of the names surprise me in terms of who they kept uh, as i say i i think last week i, I kind of hinted i wouldn't be surprised if teal bunbury left because of his salary figure i wouldn't be surprised about de la mea because of his salary figure i kind of thought they were trying to cut bait with um as much of the high salary players as they could to bring in new players uh and and they really didn't i think they kind of trust these guys as depth pieces and as backups if they don't trust them as starters so um you know i that that's kind of my takeaway from today i'm, I'm a little surprised i didn't clear more salary away but i, I do think we're going to see a couple of names be traded not just kellen Rowe. I, I think we're going to see as i say someone maybe like any baba maybe someone like scott caldwell um maybe brad knighton gets traded um i, I god forbid Maybe Matt Turner gets traded. I don't know. I hope not. I think Matt Turner is a revolution player for life. Uh, I want him wearing the revolution jersey when he gets inducted into the MLS Hall of Fame. But, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I do think there are going to be some pieces that, uh, you know, over the next few weeks, Mike Burns is, is going to be hitting the phones and they're going to 
try to be getting some assets and, and who knows how that'll go. But, um, you know, they have 19 players under contract right now. Um, I, I think they were going to see another two or three of these guys, uh, be traded. So, so if you had to pick right now, name two guys you don't think are going to be here next year that are currently. Well, Kellen Rowe, Kellen, yeah, including Kellen Rowe. I think that's the obvious one. Let's, let, let's make it, let's make it three then, since there's at least two <laughs> obvious ones. <laughs> um, I I think Jaleel Anibaba is someone is going to be attracted to, to Jaleel Anibaba at that salary figure. I think he showed he could hold his own as a starter, even if he's not a great starter. He, he's he's not going to cost you every single game. He's not going to be a massive liability, but he's not going to be a massive you know pro. He's not going to be a massive. He might not be a Connie, but he might not be a pro. You know, he's kind of your standard uh, average center back, and and at such a low figure, I think some team will probably take him. Um, Kellen Rowe is going to be number two. Um, and, and you kind of hinted at Brad Knight and I think Brad Knight might be attractive to a team that's in desperate need of a goalkeeper. Um, and, and you kind of hinted at it too. Maybe that's why Cody Cropper, uh, was kept. Maybe they can, they trust him as a number two if they get an offer for, uh, Brad Knight. And so, um, yeah, I, I think if I had to predict three players to leave, it'd be, I'll say Roe, Knight, and Anibaba is the three that are most likely to be traded elsewhere or go in the expansion draft. And, and we're, and we're not including Swami because we're just assuming he's going to be gone. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm I'm going off of the uh, options exercise list. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, I I think Rowe is going to be gone. I think again, we discussed it before. I think it'd be foolish if they didn't trade him. Um, you know, the guys you mentioned are great candidates, particularly because of Cincinnati coming into the league because there's that expansion side. I think guys that you know, I don't think any Bob is going to be um, appealing to a team like Seattle, for instance, but. Um, for a team like Cincinnati, they could use a guy like him that that has veteran experience. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Revolution tried to move uh, one of their defensive midfielders. Actually, I don't think it would be Caicedo, but I, you know there might be some market for Caldwell. Um, I do, I, you know, I think he's a good fit for this team. But it seems like Brad Friedel wasn't necessarily convinced all season. He was kind of in and out of the lineup uh, at times, especially earlier in the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know, as my kind of more of my stretch would be that maybe he goes somewhere. Um, you know, I, for all we heard about Fagunas, I do think he's going to find a way to, to keep him here. Um, but I, I agree that, you know, either Knighton or Cropper is probably going to be gone because it, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to keep three goalkeepers for three seasons in a row and not switch things up, especially when, you know, your, thir- your third string keeper could be a, a rookie and somebody that you can groom. Um, I just haven't been impressed with Cropper when we have seen him. Um, he obviously has some experience over in Europe. He was, you know, borderline national team guy because of that at, at points. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody out there that wants him, but you know, those are the, the type of guys that I'm looking at to be gone. Um, uh, you know, 19 players is a lot for the team to bring back after the season that they had. Um, and I do think there's a chance that Tierney comes back. So that becomes 20. Um, there's a chance Segerberg comes back and that becomes 21. So I don't think everyone that we see right now with, you know, options being exercised is going to be on the, the roster come opening day. So your, your three is Caldwell, uh, Carl, so you said Caldwell, uh, Knighton, and who was your third? Um, also row, the obvious one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obvious choice. I should say. Yeah. Um, I, I will say though, I, I mean, I know I didn't include Diego Fagundes in my three. I, I really do think that situation can get ugly though. I mean that, that if you were to give me a fourth, I'm probably picking Diego Fagundes. I, I think it should be stated that, you know, 
what we just saw with Lee Wynn could easily happen with Diego Fagundes going into next season. I mean, and, and the revolution have the money. I and mean, we, we just kind of broke down the salary and the total compensation coming off the books. Uh, I mean, I think Diego Fagundes is going to look at his salary and he's going to expect a pay raise. And if he doesn't get it, I would not be shocked if he holds out and someone from MLS would take him. I, I, I certainly think that it's kind of like similarly Lee Wynn, where even if you hold out Diego Fagundes for half a season, um, some team in MLS will happily uh, take him. And the one thing I'll say here is the situation with Lee Wynn um, was one where the revolution had you know, gone to the table with him multiple times to negotiate his contract up. With Diego Fagundes, they haven't really done that. Um, so you know, you know, if, if they take a hard line with Diego Fagundes, I think you could justify the hard line they took with Lee Wynn more because of that. Um, with Diego Fagundes, you know, he's been a good soldier for this team over the years. I don't think we've ever really heard many, at least public, rumblings about his contract. Um, so it, it would be something if, you know, Fagundes wanted more money and the revolution weren't willing to at least go to the table with him to discuss it. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the bad press this team has had for, for things like that over the years. Um, I think with Diego, the, the press would be a bit worse than certainly what it was with Lee Wynn, uh, because of that situation, because of how long he's been here, because of, you know, he's been underpaid for all these years and because we haven't really heard him complain publicly, um, I think there's there's more to it here where, you know, if, if they don't go to the table with him and at least, you know, offer him something, um, yeah, it could get ugly. And I, I think there'd be a lot more justification for it to get ugly. Yeah. And and I'm kind of going through the list. I think the only other person we have not really talked about at all uh, a little bit, maybe we've dropped his name once or twice, but Andrew Farrell made uh, the cut this year. I think they're bringing him back. Do you agree? I, I, I think they kind of trust him as a leader. They gave him the captain's armband at the end of the last season. Um, I know they have Brandon by who they're kind of working into that right back role, but I still think Brandon by has some strides to make as a right back. And uh, I, I think Andrew Farrell did a, did a, a solid job. I, I think you kind of know what you're going to get from Andrew Farrell at this point. So um, I, I think he's going to come in next season as a starting right back. Do you have any doubts about that? Or I, I, he was another person I thought maybe again, cause he, he's a bit <laughs> at a higher salary than by maybe he's on the chopping block. I mean, we were promised wholesale changes. We were, we were told they were, they were going to clean slate and really, we really didn't get any of that. So I, I kind of thought he might be on the, the chopping block, but now that I see his name here on options exercise, I, I expect him to come back. I don't think he's a trade candidate. Do you? Well, you know what I thought was was kind of interesting, and this is definitely me, well, probably me reading too much into things, um, was for, for many years now, Kellen Rowe has been the Revolution's Humanitarian of the Year, and we all know this year he's still done lots and lots of community involvement and, and things that way. Um, but suddenly it was Andrew Farrell that, that won it this year, and we've talked about, you know, Kellen Rowe may be on the way out, um, and I think he is. Um, I think there's a lot of signs to point that the Revolution are now trying to, you know, put more into Andrew Farrell. They made him the captain. You know, he won that award. He won the Defender of the Year award, which is a media-voted award, unlike Humanitarian of the Year. Um, and he was, like we talked about before, he was the one guy that, you know, started every single game when he was healthy, um, which you can't say for any other player on this roster. So I, I do think he's going to be the starting right back going into the next season. Um, you know, with Brad Friedel, if somebody has a few bad games, that can change. Um, and I do think, you know, there might be more competition for him there next year with, with Brandon Bay, um, because I expect the Revolution to go out there and get a left back. So, you know, Bay will you know, perhaps be more of a depth piece or a rotation guy. Um, but I think he'll be back um, for sure uh, as the right back. Yeah. Yeah, I think we touched on everyone, Sean. I did have one last thing I want to touch on, and just I'm oh. basically speculation here. Looking at Caicedo and Pena. Um, because we've seen this before with um, you know Gonzalez when they picked up his option as I think a salary jump from being listed by the players union from a hundred thousand to something close to five hundred thousand. Um, do you expect we're going to see any big bumps 
uh, from these two players because again, I think I believe how it works when, and this is again some speculation, but also some you know educated speculation from what we've seen in the past, um, is if a, the, you know the Revolution or an MLS team takes somebody on loan um, and they're only paying a portion of their salary, which is frequently the case. Um, that only that portion shows up on the MLS Players Union Guide. And, and I mentioned this on Twitter, but Louis Caicedo, um, his salary, according to the MLS Players Union, was a perfect 300000 U.S. dollars, which somehow I doubt, while well, he's you know, under contract in Colombia, he was getting paid a perfect 300000 U.S. dollars. Um, so I kind of think we're going to see a bit of a pay increase for Caicedo, maybe up to around you know, $500,000 or more like Zahibo money. Um, and I don't know about Pania. Um, I know it's just kind of based on speculation, but do you have any thoughts on, on you know, what we're going to see with those guys' contracts this year? Because that's the other thing that I you know, kind of find fascinating and looking forward to seeing when, uh, you know, what is it, March or April, when the Players Union releases the salaries next year, what those guys are actually at. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You, you brought that point up on Twitter, and, and you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see a pay raise, especially if they you know, negotiated new contracts um, after the purchase option was uh, triggered. So, yeah, I, I think we'll see uh, some higher salary figures from those two. And, and those two are probably your best two players on the team too. So I, I, I think those were uh, absolute need to bring backs. I, I think the revs, you know, some people were doubting if they were going to bring them back. I think some people were all worried that they were going to screw this up too. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of telling that the revolution made those the first transactions of the off season. Uh, I think those are two building blocks to this revolution team. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of expect them to be at a higher salary next season. And on that note, we can wrap things up. Um, Greg, you wanna, I don't know if you had any shout-outs this week or if you just want to jump right to giving out our social media handles. No, I, hey, I, I mean, we got, we got to give a shout-out, Sean. Uh, you know, we talked about Andrew Farrell, the 2018 Defender of the Year. I think we got to give a shout-out to another former Defender of the Year, the 2012 Defender of the Year, Stephen McCarthy, uh, former Revolution player. Um, he, he was playing with San Antonio in the USL. He just announced his retirement uh, last week. So I uh, just wanted to give him a, a shout out. Thought it was uh, he had a pretty long career. He spent, I think it was, he had one season. I think he played in Finland and then came back and played in the USL and uh, had pretty decent numbers uh, from what I can tell. Uh, played pretty well over there. So uh, congrats to a great uh, career, Stephen McCarthy. Even though you're not listening to this podcast, uh, congrats and great job. Any favorite Stephen McCarthy memories, Sean? Um, I mean, there was the one that was on Twitter. It was hilarious when he first joined the team and wanted his Twitter handle to be Big Creepy Steve, and the PR department <laughs> quickly had him him change that. But he was always a you know super nice guy, uh, fun to to talk to in the locker room, get quotes from. Um, I thought he could have provided more to the the Revolution had he been here longer. Um, you know, promising guy that had moved from from midfield to, to center back, and um, you know, always always a, a good guy to have on the team and a good depth piece and a good rotation guy. So, g- congrats to him on a on a good career and. Uh, curious to see what he does afterwards. A very smart and, and, and witty guy that I'm sure will we'll find something, um, well, either in soccer or out of soccer to, to be successful at. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, was there, do you know the story behind the big creepy Steve? Um, I, I just know the story be, behind him picking that and the, the PR team telling me he had to change it essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember why he picked that exactly, but I think that that nickname stuck with him a bit just because of how hilarious it was. That, that, well, that maybe, maybe that. it's a good thing. It remains a mystery. um and and shout out to um you know speaking of defenders of years i think michael parkhurst is a candidate for the league defender of the year this year and he got a huge win um this past weekend with atlanta going into new york city fc and coming away with a a one nothing victory and him of course starting at the center of that defense and i think uh lorena also got the start 
uh, although I believe he may have gotten called for interference on a, another Atlantic goal that got that one called out. Um, but an overall, a, impressive performance from them to go into New York City FC and, and come away with a, a win now going home, just needing a you know a draw or even potentially a, a loss to, to advance, uh, depending on how that plays out. So uh, lots of good, lots of interesting news about former Revolution defenders. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see Michael Parker still having such a really, really solid career in MLS after the revolution uh, gift wrapped him uh, to uh, Columbus. And uh, yeah, not not chasing after him in free agency when he was, his contract was up and he went to Atlanta and uh, doing great over there. So Well, and who would thought Laurentowitz, who left the revolution 10 seasons ago, would still be playing um, and also be playing for the best team in the league, arguably, in Atlanta United. So two two guys who are up there in age who are you know, still doing a phenomenal job in this league. You mean Larnettowitz? <laughs> oh, there's there's a good insight. Nothing like inside jokes on the podcast. People are going to get that one. Uh, well, on that note, make sure you follow us at Revolution Recap. Uh, Greg, you're what, G, G. Johnstone 12, is that right? Yeah, at G. Johnstone 12 is my personal account. At Revolution Recap is our podcast account. And like us on Facebook, Revolution Recap. And, and you can follow me at Sean Donahue. And I think we're going to try to do some sort of media roundtable. I've floated the idea with um, some of the people in the in the Revolution press. So I think it's going to happen. We'll keep you posted on timing for that. Otherwise, um, you know, and, and other than that, I think we're waiting to see when the Revolution do something noteworthy to, to decide where we're going to be podcasting. So we'll, we'll keep you posted if you follow us on uh, both our Facebook and our, our Twitter. One way or the other, we'll let you know. I'd say the next news. I mean, if if a trade happens, we'll probably hop on and and do a quick uh, reaction. But I, I I assume the next thing in the calendar is probably maybe a pre-expansion draft or an expansion cre- uh, draft recap. Yeah, and and once we find out the next exactly, and yeah. once we find out the rules for that, we'll just, just see how interesting that could be. Because it, 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 I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me too much if um, the Revolution go into this expansion draft and don't lose anybody either. Um, it is just one team, so I, I think at maximum it will be 10 picks. I, I think the last one, I want to say, it might have yeah, been la- five. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, if it's just this one is just five, it might not be all that exciting, but maybe a pre-expansion draft one where we can speculate on, on who, if anybody, they'll be, they'll be taking. Um, and next year's will be even more interesting when it's, when it's Miami and Nashville. Um, but this year with just FC Cincinnati, USL side, it might, might not be quite as, as exciting. But uh, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop on Twitter. So thanks again for everyone for, for joining us. And thanks, Greg, again for, for hosting.